Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Well, it's cold here in Mississippi. I have uh, been reminded that we have seasons where we lived in central South Florida. We didn't really have seasons. It was warm most of the time. And so it's been refreshing. We've, in, we've enjoyed it, but we have pulled out our coats and been reminded of, uh, of the fact that we don't need to put our winter coat, coat clothes up yet. I, I just want to, to take a moment and uh, express how appreciative Kelly and I are of your hospitality. Tomorrow is my uh, our one-month anniversary here, and I want to express a few things that I'm thankful for besides your hospitality and your gracious spirit. You're a very friendly group of people. I knew that or heard that coming in, and it's proven to be true. And I'm thankful to be partnering with you in kingdom work. I am honored and blessed, and we're just continue to pinch ourselves that God would allow us this particular assignment at this season in our life, and we, we really mean that. One of the things that we do to express love in our state of Mississippi is through food. We let people know we we love you and we want you to eat this particular dessert. And so I want to say that I have been blessed and that I have also gained a few pounds, but uh, it's been worth it. Because, I mean, what are you going to do? Say, well, no, I'm sorry, I'm on a, I'm on a diet. Preacher can't do that. We, we must accept these gifts of, of food and, and eat them with great delight, which, which I do. And so sometimes I feel like if somebody brings me, for example, an apple pie like they did last week with bluebell ice cream like they did last week, it's for both of us. I let Kelly have some, but I eat most of the dessert around our house. So apple pie, hot apple pie is my favorite. Are you getting hungry? You already were hungry and now I did that to you. I'm sorry. I'm hungry too. So hot apple pie with ice cream. So one particular night we were, we were about three fourths of the way through this apple pie. And I thought, you know, if I can knock some of this out, it won't be here. A lot of this out tonight, it won't be here tomorrow. Makes sense to me. So I had a bowl, heated up, put ice cream and I decided to have another bowl, heated up, put ice cream, knocked it out. And I took some deep breaths. It was kind of, you know, kind of heavy. Then I got a text that said, look, we want to we, we we come by and see you. Do, you. do you like lemons? And I thought, well, yeah, I like lemons. Uh, that's kind of a weird question. But I do. I, li- I like lemons. That's all it was from somebody I will not name in the church. Very gracious. Gracious apple pie, another family. I mean, this is just some examples of the way you've expressed love and hospitality. And so they said, we have uh, something we want to bring by. I said, well, Kelly puts lemon in her tea and that'll be good. I thought they're just going to bring us a truckload of lemons. So whatever, that's good. But no, 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 it wasn't that. It was a lemon cake and it was warm. And so not only did I have one, two bowls of apple pie and ice cream. I had a big old slice of hot lemon cake. It was good. 
It was good. And I thank you. I thank you. It was fantastic. And uh, I, I just I just, I just want to take a moment and tell you that, that that hasn't changed. Just like the seasons, we have seasons. We express love uh, with, with food. And, and for somebody that likes to eat all the time, hungry all the time, that's, that's a good thing. Now, here's another thing that you've done. You've, you have brought us happies along the way, little, little reminders of uh, the fact that you're, you're listening to things that we say that mean a lot to us, or you, you, you want us to have this little gift or gift card or things like that. And it's been, it's been a real, a real blessing. And so one of the things that I've shared in my journey is that first Thessalonians 524 is like my theme verse for being called to be a pastor. Even though I'm a third generation pastor, I was not the guy that was wanting to be to be a pastor. I fought it as long as I could. I finally surrendered. And I'm thankful and honored that the Lord would allow me to do that. But I had to make sure it was him and not just because of family or for whatever other reason. And so the verse says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Whew. I have to be reminded of that. I know I've been at this for a while, but I constantly have to be reminded the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And so somebody was listening to that. I don't know if you can see this, but it's got the wonderful state of Mississippi. It's got the reference, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, and it has got a heart where I believe Brookhaven is. Oh, I love this gift. I'm telling you, I told Kelly, I guess, now we've got to put this in a strategic place and very, be very intentional so I can see it over and over and over again. I can't do this, but God can by his grace because he's called me. Now, not everyone here in this room has been called to be a pastor. Now, there's some, and there may be some that have been called. I think I, I said in my notes, but I want to say this. It may be that you have been called, and maybe you've been running. It's not about your ability, as you've heard. It's about your availability. If God has called you to be a pastor, you will, not be, you will never be comfortable in any other chair. So if... You're making excuses because of academics, because of family background, because of stupid stuff you did, ignorant stuff that you did. Whatever it might be, just know the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Not supposed to be somebody else, somebody on television, somebody in your family. It's supposed to be who you are in Christ. So remember that. Life is short, and you want to make sure you're in the right seat. Now, let me say this, not everyone is called to be a pastor, but as a child of God, we are all called to be a witness to the entire world. This was another gift that was given to me last year 
my former church pastor appreciation. And when I got it, I thought, man, that's got to be in a strategic place. I need to look at that all the time to be reminded of what the Bible says about the Great Commission, about what you've been called to do and I've been called to do and what we're going to be reminded of. And go ahead and turn to Acts 1-8 if you haven't already. We'll look at a parallel passage or I'll reference a parallel passage in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. As we're walking through these reminders the last several weeks of who we are, who you are, who I am, and what God has called us to do, we're going to go back. Like I mentioned, we're going to zero in on one of the five, six things that we talked about last week because... We make a great commotion about the Great Commission, and, and, and we should. And so today, I intend to be very practical, uh, something that we can use. I intend to remind us that maybe you need a visual like I do, that God, it wasn't a suggestion that we do this. It was a command. He's asking us to do it, and he's telling us that he's equipped us. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Just like being a pastor is not always the easiest thing that I, that I can do, he's going to help me. And you're going to help me. And you have. And God does not call us, all of us as believers, to be a witness and leave us hanging. We're going to be reminded today of the power that he gives us in a very practical and real way that everyone in here who is a child of God, can do this. Everyone. Now in Acts 1-8, you have Acts because it's called Acts because it's the Acts of God. It is the act. quick context, it's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit coming. It is the acts of the church. And so in here, Jesus gives us and gave the believers and us, disciple is a learner. We are learners. We're growing in Christ. We're maturing in our faith. He's given us our marching orders. So we're reminded that it's all over the world because Jesus says in verse 8, NIV, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It doesn't say you might receive this power. It says you will when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In our day and age, in the church age, the moment of salvation is the moment we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, just as this is way beyond me, this is way beyond us, but it's God's plan. There, 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 there is no plan B. You say, well, why can't maybe? No, no, no. That's the plan. And so we can try to wiggle our way out of it or justify not being a witness or not giving or going or whatever it might be or praying for missions, but it's God's way. And yet we're reminded today it's all over the world. Now we give to Lottie Moon and Annie. 
We go to Guatemala. We give through the cooperative program through our tithes and offerings that supports ministries and seminaries and missionaries. We pray. We have our Women's Missionary Union that's going to be meeting this week. I understand it's very active and very productive. And we have opportunities all over the world. But we also need to be reminded we have opportunities right here at home. And do we take advantage of them? Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen that. And I've seen pictures of the things that we've done in the past locally. But what I want us to do today is to especially be reminded of what God is saying in this passage and how it is way beyond us, but God's going to help us even do it here. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, well, I've had some bad experiences with personal evangelism, and so have I. And I'm not an expert. I'm a fellow struggler like you are. But I do believe that we need to be reminded of what God has said in his word and and then be encouraged to do some things because we're in a season as pastor and people at this particular phase in our journey and with Easter coming up that we'll never quite be in before. And so I want us to take advantage of it. And I want to issue you a challenge here towards the end. So... Just buckle your seat, hang on, and hang in here with me. And if you're taking notes, there's two major points that we're going to get to. But before that, I want to make sure that you understand practically the passage, the one passage in Acts 1-8. Okay? So when we look at Acts 1-8, there's five words that will help us understand what this means as we exegete or expose the text in practical terms. Promise, power, person, purpose, and plan. It's a supernatural instruction. It is, you know what? It is not always natural to witness or bear testimony to other people, is it? Some people are natural salesmen and some are not in the work world. We're not selling anything. We are testifying what Christ has done in our life and continues to do in the right way at the right time with the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And the sooner we realize it's way beyond us, we're not able to do it, the more likely we are to be in a place that God will use us to help us do it. Here's what one has said about the Holy Spirit's role. D.L. Moody once said, you might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, breathe without lungs, as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we forget it's not us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Don't forget that. And so as we think about these words, we think of the promise. Ten days after Jesus made this promise, The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. It was a promise, and it was fulfilled. Secondly, from this one text today, there's the power. The Greek word is dunamis. It's the word where we get dynamite and power. The power came for them to be witnesses, and it is that same power. It hasn't changed. Sometimes we forget that we have dynamite living inside of us. Not us, but him. There's another word. 
The word person, you see the Trinity, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit. It is a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the central figure in the expansion of the church. The church needs to rely on the Holy Spirit to God. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And then there's the purpose. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help us witness. Now, the Holy Spirit provides comfort. Some of you have had loss. You've grieved. You are grieving. Kelly and I get that. Many people, most in the room, get that. Aren't we thankful that the Holy Spirit comforts us in our loss when we're grieving? Let him comfort you if you're hurting. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not an entire sermon on the role of the Holy Spirit another day, another time, but I'm reminding you of some of the things that the person of the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's role, as the passage says, is helping us witness. Sometimes we get the idea that it's, it's weird. The Holy Spirit is something that's going to make us uh, jump the pews or run the aisles or speak, you know, some kind of foreign language or whatever it might be. We should not let any of those things scare us when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It is the person of God. And we believe that the Bible teaches right here that one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us witness. It's a person. It is a witness that tells us what we've seen and heard. Acts twenty two fifteen. Jesus is alive from the dead. He's the Son of God. He died for our sin. He is sitting into heaven and will return. And faith is in Christ alone. It is the purpose. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And then there's a plan. The witness in Jerusalem first, then the areas of Judea and Samaria, then to the entire world. The plan was to be gradual, starting at home, and then spread all over the world. C.D. Studd once said, the light that shines farthest, shines brightest and nearest at home. I've been here long enough to see that we have many opportunities right here at home to be a light in a dark world. And sometimes I think we make it too difficult or hard. One is we forget what this, what this passage really means. I mean, I really believe that. I think probably if I said, do most people in here believe the Bible? I think most people, we're in the Bible. Most people say, I believe in the Bible. They say, well, do you believe in the role of the Holy Spirit? Yes. So if we believe in the Bible, we believe in the role of the Holy Spirit, and we believe we're a child of God, the security of the believer, most people in the room might would say yes to all those things. We also need to say yes that God will help us do this. Sure, it comes through prayer, giving and going. And sometimes it's through a personal testimony like we talked about last week. And sometimes it's as we do life. Now let's look at the two practical parts that are listed in your outline. Here's the first one. We can't, but he can. Let's say that together. We can't, but he can. 
Matthew 28, 18, which is the parallel passage, says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. We are not depending on our own knowledge or authority, but on the authority of the king of kings. In verse 28 of Matthew 28 in the Great Commission, it says, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can't, he can. Now, I've shared with you that uh, as far as abilities, I shared with this a couple of weeks ago, I have some limited abilities. I'm not a fix-it guy, for example. And so I'm at a point where most of the boxes in my office and my outer office, praise the Lord, have been opened. And thanks to my interior design specialist wife here, have been placed in strategic places. These will go right back. Kelly, let me assure you, they're going to go right back where you put them, right after this service. And part of my role this past week was to mark off a little time to get my file cabinet set. I had files from my daddy's sermons and my granddaddy's sermons and some sermons I have and some some files, you know, needed to be tossed. That was a hard thing. Some books needed to be tossed. Did some of that. Some can testify to that. But I, I, I had to, I needed the file cabinet set up because they were new and I'm grateful for them. And I, I needed to set them up though before I could put the files in the file cabinets. And I thought, how hard could this be? How hard could this be? And I thought, you could do this, Hal. You can do it. All it was was opening up. You had to get the key first. It was locked. I couldn't get it out. I figured out, you know, it would be good to unlock it. There's a key here. Unlock. figured that out. That was good. And then I opened it up, and there were the, the railings. You know, I don't know if you've seen a file cabinet. There's little railings. And if they're already put together, which this was almost all put together, but not quite, they were right beside each other. So I had to move one little railing to the other so they could hang, y'all with me, hang the cabinets and put all that. And I thought, how hard can that be? I'm telling you. For me, it was hard. I could not, I grabbed, I jerked it over there. And then I was trying to, I'm telling you, it was getting all all over me. I said, just stop, just stop. I could not do it. And then I asked our property's manager, Larry. Larry, would you help? I got it. You know what? He did it. I could not do it. But Larry could. He helped me. I realized I just not my thing. It gets me frustrated. I can't you just whatever. He could. And then there's this other thing called a computer. <laughs> Technology. Still working through it. We have some experts. I'm very grateful for Carrie the way the way he helped us. But but there, there's one in the office. His name is Pastor Robert. He's come to my rescue many times already. And so I'm, I'm having computer issues. And once again, I think I can not do it. But Robert can. And he can most of the time. We can't. We can't witness in our own strength. But he can. And he says, I'm going to give you power to witness. 
dynamite power. Don't ever forget it. We can't, but he can. Got to be willing. It's not our ability, our availability. Got to be willing. All right, there's a second major point on your outline. Here it is. We can, but oftentimes we won't. Now, we need to realize there's some great men and women of the Bible that struggled with fear and doubt and weren't quite willing either. One example in the Old Testament, I thought about Moses. You remember Moses in the burning bush and God said, you're, you're going you're to be the one to, to lead the children of Israel. And he began to say, I, you know, I don't t -t 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 talk very good. I, I think you, you've got the wrong. He started telling God, he started telling God, God, you've made a mistake. Can you imagine that? You're telling God, no, you've, you've made a mistake. And yet sometimes we do that. Say, God, you know what? That's, that's the preacher's role to witness. That's, the, that's somebody else's role to go to Guatemala. That's, you know, sometimes sometimes we, we're like a Moses. Sometimes we can do that. And then there's another super, uh, I would say he was one of the super friends, super disciples, Thomas. But we know him as doubting Thomas. Why? Because there were times that even the super friend, Thomas, doubted. He wasn't quite sure. Listen, if you have doubt, you have questions about what God's telling you specifically, go talk to him about it. He can handle it. If you're close to somebody, I mean, you can talk to him about anything. That's what he wants us to do. Talk to him. Ask him to show you. Listen, he will. We may not like what he tells us, but he'll tell us. He'll let us know. That's part of the role of the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about Jesus' heavyweight, we think about uh, Thomas, and we think about Moses, that they struggled, we can do the same thing, especially when it comes to bearing a witness. You know, I, I grew up, I've told you, in the capital of Itala County, Kosciuszko, Mississippi, First Baptist Church. And we had RAs back in the day, royal ambassadors. Now, I wish I could tell you that I was the model preacher's kid in royal ambassadors. I, I was not. And, then, you know, there's a, like, this is the worst, this is the I was. I was probably somewhere in here. But here, here's what I want to tell you. We, we learned to pledge. Here was the deal. Okay, boys, I know you want to go out there and play cream. Do y'all know what cream is? There's another word for it that we had back in the day, but it wouldn't be politically correct to say today, but it was cream. You got one side of the church building, you got another side, you got some grass, one person's in between, and you run from one end to the other, and you cream a person, and then they're on your team. Before you know it, there's only one dude running back and forth. I love playing cream. I, I, I wish I could say I loved RAs. I didn't necessarily love RAs at that point. But here was the deal. He made us memorize the RA pledge in order to go play cream. As a royal ambassador, I will do my best to come well informed follower of Christ, have Christ-like concern for all people, to carry the message of Christ all around the world. And yet, 
though I was raised in RAs and we gave the offerings and we talked a lot about Acts 1-8, as I was growing up, I had never really totally understood how to witness and how to share a testimony. We talked about that briefly last week. Or how to do personal evangelism. I just kind of missed it. It just kind of went over my head. And as I got older... There were times that I was even kind of step skeptical of those that were involved in personal evangelism. I hate to admit that, but God broke my heart on that matter as a young adult. I had an experience in some training, and after some of the training, and I was in another city. I was in Houston, Texas. I went back to the hotel room at the time. My other roommate wasn't there, and I just I just had some time with the Lord. I said, God, I'm sorry. I've not done everything I could have done and need to do in sharing my faith and be involved in sharing a testimony, inviting people, whatever it might be. Now, I can't tell you, that's been decades ago that I'm perfect and I always am on point. I am not. But that was a spiritual marker for me because I'd been so prideful in that matter. I thought it was a preacher's job. I thought I didn't have the ability. I didn't have that gift. I didn't have whatever. But you know what they were for me? They were all excuses. And, and, and so when we come to this, sometimes we have excuses. Some of the things that, that I dealt with, and sometimes these will surface. See if you can identify with this. When it came to sharing my faith, there was doubt. There was fear. There was a lack of training. There were bad examples. See, sometimes I would see people basically uh, in college, I saw this some beating people over the head with a Bible. And I thought, if that's what evangelism is and witnessing, I don't want anything to do with it because most people would run when that would happen. There's a time and a place and a way to do it. So I thought, I don't, if that's what it is, I don't, I don't want to do it because of bad examples or the thought that I would be some kind of doofus and share my faith and send them to hell somehow. <laughs> you know, Lord, I, I, surely it's not me because I may say something doofus, doofusy. Is that a word, doofusy? I'm not sure. Maybe it is. I create words sometimes. I might share something doofusy and, and somehow I might, I might send them. See, we come up with all kind of crazy things. And cause us not to witness or bear witness or to share our faith or tell people about Christ. And so, I want to give you another method. We talked last week about how to share a testimony. There's other ways we're going to have of training. But I want to ease into something because of something earlier I said with Easter coming and the season we're in that I think is very important. Now, this isn't in your outline, in your worship guide. But if you're taking notes, there's three, uh, three points I want you to write down. I'll share, I'll share them real because they're, they're not going to pop up. Let me just give you these three points. Three statements as we land the plane this morning this morning on this subject. Number one, connect with various people. We need to connect with various people we encounter in our daily lives. Connect with various people we encounter in our daily lives. Sometimes we program witness opportunities or mission trips, but sometimes we forget it's just a matter of connecting with people as we do life, as we go to school, as we play games, as we go to the grocery store, as we eat out. We're not going to be 100%, be on point all the time, but we just connect with people 
as we do life. That's what Jesus did. Remember Zacchaeus? Whoa, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. Just connect with people we do life. It can be at games. It can be when you get gas. It can be at the grocery station, uh, grocery store, the gas station. (laughs) But we just forget sometimes we make it too hard. Every one of us will go to work or school or just the, you know, whatever. And that doesn't mean you have to just, you know, mention, try to share with 10 people in one hour. Just let God use us. Just connect. Just remember. Just connect. Here's statement number two. Pray for a door to open wide for a gospel conversation. Pray for a door to open wide for a gospel conversation. Let me tell you something else I learned in Kosciuszko. When you really wanted to dare somebody to do something, you said, I double dog dare you. I double dog dare us. I'm telling you, if we start praying about this, you would be amazed at how many doors will open. And it's like the Holy Spirit say, you going to say something? You going to say something? You going to get an invite card? You going to talk to you going to? He'll do it. We can. He can. So that's number two. Number one, connect with various people we encounter in daily lives. Jesus and Zacchaeus, pray for the door to open for a gospel conversation. We can think of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Sometimes we make it too hard. And here's number three. Develop the habit of inviting others to church. Jesus often, it's part of why we have the invitation, Jesus often gave an invitation for people to respond. So I'm hoping and praying we're about to develop, and some of you may do this, but this also helps keep your preacher accountable, is using an invite card. You see, it helps sometimes, I have found as a pastor, to share things that are clearly biblical, but also to share with the people so they will help me follow through and be accountable. Several years ago, I felt led at the end of a year to write a devotional book. And I thought, you know what? I can't do that, but God can. But I decided to tell my church family right before January got here. You know why? Because I needed them to ask me about it in March and April and May. And June. So this is similar. And I also said, you need to ask me sometime, how's that book going? And you need to ask me sometime, Pastor, how are those invite cards going? This is a great time to get in the habit of it. Now let me let me explain what I'm what I'm saying to you. We all know that Easter's coming, and we all know that the gospel, like most Sundays, will certainly be shared. On Easter. And so, when you leave today, there's going to be some Easter invite cards out there. Oh, I'm so pumped about this. I'm telling you, it is not. First of all, we got the Holy Spirit. We've been reminded. It's not us, it's Him. But this is a great way to begin to start in evangelism and witnessing something that we all can do. is just invite people. On Easter Sunday. Now, 
You remember last week when I said if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time? Well, as I started thinking about today, and I started thinking about Easter, I thought, I wonder how many we've ever we've had, at least in the last decade or two, on an Easter Sunday. From my research, talking to Robert, a few of the staff here, and some of our key leaders, the executive management team, this is what I discovered. And not all the staff was, was here. They were gone to Guatemala. But I was saying, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Maybe we need a goal for Easter Sunday. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I ought to talk to some people about it. And so I did, the people I just named. And I found out from Robert that evidently a number of years ago when we had an 8.30 service and a 10.30 service on Easter with a halftime in the fellowship hall with nice muffins and juice and coffee and those kind of things, there was between 700 and 800 people. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. (laughs) And I thought, that is great. That is great. So Robert and I talked about it a little bit. Pastor Robert and I, we kind of beat it around. And so we had a certain figure that we were kind of leaning towards. And I thought, let me check with these guys. Let me check with our executive manager. So I just sent a text. And they remembered, too, that it was a number of years ago. And it was kind of a number through all that. And they were shared very positive things. And, yeah, and this and this and this. And so finally I said, a number. I said, I said 400, 500. 700, 800, you know, other. And one of them popped up, 800. I loved it. You know what? I'd rather fail at doing something big for God than succeed at doing nothing. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. It was such a blessing. To know that we have leaders in this church, it was like, almost like go big or go home. Let's do it. We can't do it, but God can. You say, why would we do that? Because it's Easter. We're celebrating what Jesus has done for the whole world. And there are people in Brookhaven that don't know Christ. And they're more likely to come on Easter than any other Sunday of the year. Why not do it? But it can't just be because of me or the staff or those five. It's got to be all of us. Now, I know there's some people that are still traveling. They're not in the room. But we've got enough in this room. By the grace of God, the power, Acts 1-8, remember, to make it happen if we will pray. More about that next week. And we will do our part. I'm pumped. And I want you to be pumped. Because Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're going to talk about... Christ alive in the new, when we, when he, he, he makes us new creations. It's a fresh start. And so we're going to talk about what it means to celebrate the resurrection. And like no other religion has that claim of what Jesus does and has done and has, and did for us. But we're also going to say, what does it mean to have a relationship with Christ and live a new life? Putting the old behind as a, person and as a church and press on toward the new and so when you leave today I'm gonna ask you because there's supposed to be 
various cards like this just right there. And there's going to be also groupings of 10. Now, here's what I'd, here's what I'd really challenge you to do. Find, find one of the groups of 10. So I think it's going, to have a, it's going to have a rubber band around it or a paper clip or something like that. And this is, and this is what you do. If you're a guy, you've got a billfold, whatever it is, you just put them in your billfold. Okay? If you're a gal and you have a purse or two, like my wife, look, she's got two purses. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm in trouble. I shouldn't have done that. By the way, guys, and this has nothing to do. This is really random. But sometimes I'm asked to carry one of these purses. Now, in case you don't know it, this is the way you grab it. You, you bundle it up like this and you... That has nothing to do with Easter or anything else. That's just a tip, guys. We in this thing together. Grab it like a man, you know. All right, look. If you have a lady, you put it in your purse. Now, look, this can be fun. This can be fun. You're, you're, at a, you're at a grocery store, and you have a conversation with the lady at the checkout or somebody in the line, and you say, hey, listen, Easter Sunday and is coming, and I don't know if you have a church home, and you might ask them about that, but if you don't, we'd love to have you. You can come at 8.30 or 10.30, and you, then you might say, do you like chocolate muffins? And then they say, oh, I love chocolate. But listen, you come, we'll eat a chocolate muffin together. I'll see if we can't nuke it in the microwave. We'll sit here. I mean, have fun with it. For the purpose of what? The fact that some people's life could be changed forever. And the fact that we could get in the habit because there'll be a day where we'll have just regular invite cards and we just go through our lives and we go to the grocery store, we go to school, we go to these different places and God's prompting the Holy Spirit and we'll hand them an invite card and just invite them. And there's just no telling what God can do with a little bitty heart, a little bitty card. Y'all are special. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for letting us pastor. I just want to throw that in too before I pray. <laughs> Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for just, uh, as I think about a month, just Kelly and I being able to be here, Lord. We have, we're just, we're having fun in the Lord and we have so many special people. And I'm just grateful. I'm just so, so grateful. And God, I thank you for reminding us of our responsibility, our privilege, the command that you've given us to witness all over the world in different ways. God, we, can't, we cannot fill this room up a total of two hours with 800 people, but you can. Please use us to help execute the plan, to start praying about it, and, to, and, to, and, and God to start using us to invite people in the hope that when they come, they'll hear from you. And they'll be encouraged and blessed. And some of them changed forever. Help us to remember the point, Lord. And we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to stand for the invitation. Now, the staff, I'll be here, right here in the middle. There'll be other staff on either side. And here's what the invitation is as we, uh, Pastor Robert leads us in singing. The invitation, number one, is always to...
come to the Lord. It might be you don't know the Lord. You know about him, but you've never personally put your faith and trust in him. And you need somebody to talk to you. Not beat you over the head with a Bible, but just talk to you about the gospel and how to give your heart to Christ. This, today's the day of salvation. Don't wait. Come today. That's part of what this is about. You can come to either one of us and talk about it. Here's the other part of the invitation. The other part of the invitation is you want to know what it means to be a part of this church, to join this fellowship. This is an initial step. We're going to have a new member class again in a few weeks. As a matter of fact, two weeks from today on Palm Sunday, Sonia and I have already talked about it. We're going to have a, we may even made a video. We're going to throw it out there and let people know about it. You don't have to join the church to go to the class, but it's important. Some of you may be prompted by the Holy Spirit to join the church today, to take that step. Sometimes the first step is the hardest. That's part of what this invitation is about. Here's the other part of the invitation. It may be because the challenge about those cards, you know you can't do it. But God can, but you may need some accountability. Sometimes we all need little levels of accountability. I do. I shared that with you. And it may be what you need to do today is just come up here to the altar. Yeah, these are steps, but it's a prayer altar too. And you just get on your knees and say, dear God, help me. <laughs> help me pass out one. Help me pass out the first one. Help me pass out the second and say, by God's grace, by Palm Sunday, all ten of my cards will be gone and I'll get some more. God, help me. Now, if you don't come here, that doesn't mean you're not praying about it. But it might be a level of accountability. It might help. There may be some other reason you would come. Surrender to be a pastor. Surrender to be a missionary. Surrender to the ministry. This could be a first step. It could be accountability. I did that in college. I needed my church family to start praying for me and hold me accountable. No regrets. This is God's invitation. So, respond as the Holy Spirit prompts.